0: Hi, I'm Chris McBride, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope.
1: Episode 33, 3D Movies. Chris McBrien, along with Yancey, Eaton, as always, this is Pop Goes Your World. Yancey, you millennial, you, young fella, I have a question for you, my friend. Now, we Gen Xers, we used to play a pop culture game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Are you familiar with this at all?
0: Is this where you can basically link any two actors or actresses or movies with Kevin Bacon? Yeah, is you. That- can,
1: you but the idea is you can link any actor with Kevin Bacon within Six Degrees. Like, of their mutual <laughs> connections. So, um, right. so like, I'll give you an example. For example, let's start with, we'll go with Will Smith. So, Will Smith was with, was in the movie, uh, was with John Voight in Enemy of the State. Mm-hmm. John Voight was with Burt Reynolds in Deliverance. Burt Reynolds was with Demi Moore in Strip Tease. And Demi Moore was with Kevin Bacon in A Few Good Men. So, Will Smith is connected to Kevin Bacon in Four Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And Yancey. The reason I bring this up is, uh, would you believe that I can actually connect myself to Kevin Bacon in Six Degrees?
0: I would not believe that, but I'm sure you're going to prove it. <laughs> let, let me just walk you through it. So
1: back on my old Canadian TV show, we had Paul Savage on the show. The show was called Insult to Injury, and nobody knows right. the show because, you know, you know, no, it's Canadian TV. No one watched it. But anyway, on my old TV show, we had Paul Savage on, and that was on Insult to Injury, my show. Paul Savage was with, was, was with uh, Leslie Nielsen in Men with Brooms. And Leslie Nielsen was with Denise Richards in Scary Movie 3. And Denise Richards was with Kevin Bacon in Wild Things. So in <laughs> I am the same number of degrees of separation uh, from Kevin Bacon as Will Smith.
0: You're basically Will Smith. You're a white Canadian Will Smith.
1: Uh, actually, I would say that's probably where the, uh, where the uh, similarities end. Um, in fact, I think Will Smith, didn't he remember he had a song, I Think I Could Beat Mike Tyson? Did he? Yeah, he had a song when he first started out it was called I Think I Could Beat Mike Tyson. You know what the name of my song would be? I think I could beat Sicily Tyson. If it includes getting Crunch Berries up here in Canada, let's do it. You know, I had like this amazing childhood, which I did. And he went on to play Takashi in Revenge of the Nerds, which is one of my favorite movies
0: like ever. Uh, True story, Ben Savage is the most famous person I've ever met in real life. Playing the sitar and all these flowers would drop on him. I had Reading Rainbow t-shirts. I had Reading Rainbow notebooks. Not Crunch Berries, because we don't get those in Canada. My mom basically locked us out of the
1: house. I gotta stay home and grease the Weezer. (laughs) In 94, that Little Rascals movie that came out. In the 94 version, Jesse did they have to grease the Weezer? Oh, my, my, my. Um, okay, so a little bit of history for you, Yancy. Um, now, you know, as a, as a millennial, you have pretty much grown up with the majority of big Hollywood movies being released in 3D. And, right. you know, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Like, some of it has to do with, like, they just want the movies to sort of, quote-unquote, look better, you know, or the 3D sort of enhances the experience of the movie. But I got to tell you, young, young fella, when I was a kid... You know, back in my day, back in my day, yeah, 3d, you know what 3d was? It was just a gimmick and like sort of stereoscopic or stereoscopic photography. Um, It's been around for a while, but you know, I guess probably in the fifties, they started to really use it in the movies. And the first, the first color 3d movie was none other than the classic film, want devil. It uh, came out back in 52. And for a few years there, there was all these 3D movies that came out. They're mostly B-movie B- crap, you know, like there was, like, it came from outer space and Son of Sinbad and House of Wax. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, the the all-time classic, Those Redheads from Seattle, uh, which by the way, this, this, <gasps> it's, it, this, it, there's a movie called Those Redheads from Seattle. And it's probably not what you, what you might think it is, Yancy. It's basically um, a, a musical about the, the Yukon gold rush, believe it or not. But um, but anyway, not
0: what, I, not what I was thinking.
1: No, no probably not. No. But anyway, so after after a little while, like the fifties, you know, the, the novelty kind of died off. Three D just kind of went away. But then then oh then came the nineteen eighties, and a whole slew of three D movies started coming out again. And there was sort of that new wave of three D movies uh, in the eighties. A lot of new wave stuff in the eighties, I guess. But um, anyway, the big thing uh, with the eighties three D movies was. They, the whole thing was they were gimmicky. And there was always like several times in the movie where something like jumped right off the screen at you and came right at you. It was just a gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, so the reason I bring all this up is because I'm going to focus on the 3D movies from Generation X on tonight's show. So most of these, Yancey, you won't even believe that these things exist, but oh, they do. Oh, they do. Let me tell you. So anyway, this should be good. So uh, why don't you kick us off with your number five, 3D movie of all time and will work our way to number one.
0: Alright, just as a, a quick aside, I'm not particularly huge into 3D movies too. Like you were talking about... Um, I kind of consider 3D movies a gimmick. I, I think it's one of those things where, just like with 3D TVs, a lot of people expected, you know, the industry as a whole expected it to just completely take off, and everybody were, you know, was going to adapt 3D goggles and, and have a, a home 3D entertainment system, but it's never really taken off. It hasn't. And uh, there are diehard fans who really like it. Me, personally, I have vertigo. I have, like, severe motion sickness and inner ear problems, so I watch films in 3d but i get deathly sick like halfway through it and i have to keep taking the goggles off and it's really really uncomfortable for me but certain movies i think like you still need to go see them um with that being said though i most of the movies that i mentioned i can't even remember the first movie that i saw in 3d to be completely honest with you um so i'm just kind of going off of ones that kind of stuck with me but i that's neither here nor there um as a random honorable mention I will give you my worst 3D film I've ever seen it was actually the first movie yeah it was the first movie my wife and I saw together when we were dating and it was Saw 3D Oh, and it was absolutely terrible it was really really bad like you would see parts where like you know a piece of a person's body part is getting hacked off and like this really just really poorly done like piece of like you know stuff would come flying at you on the screen and I don't know, it was just really, really hor- horribly done. My wife wanted me to mention also Resident Evil 3D. Uh, it got absolutely tanked by you know critics and it didn't do very well in the box office, but she remembers that as being like the first one that she saw and she absolutely loved it. So I just wanted to give her a little honorable mention there. But um, anyways, so that was a long aside, but number five for me, I'm gonna go with Tron Legacy. Uh, so Tron Legacy came out in 2010, it's obviously a sequel. It was directed by Joseph Kaczynski and produced by Sean Bailey and Jeffrey Silver. It is one of those films where it was also not very critically acclaimed at all. I think if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it averages like in the 50s. Um, So one of the main criticisms of this film was that it was very, very captivatingly beautiful. The special effects are amazing. The 3D, it was one of those movies that was, you know, quote unquote, made for 3D. Um, But it just completely lacked any type of dearth as far as... uh, you know, character development, the acting was really spotty. Jeff Bridges was good in it, but uh, his character was just so flat and so one dimensional. Olivia Wilde, very beautiful woman, but her character, same thing, no personality. Um, Somehow or another, like this movie still managed to gross almost half a billion dollars. most of it off of the 3d just because people wanted to see this type of thing um there's one particular scene in it it's like the it's the uh motorcycle race you know whenever they're actually you know, they're all on like these motorcycles and they have like this neon light you know basically trailing them it's like the old snake game that used to play on little handheld devices and stuff really awesome scene the movie as a whole it's it, it is really really captivating but after the first 30 minutes or so the lesser kind of wears off of it but I I just wanted to put it in here just because it was so beautiful, even though it's a really, really flawed movie. So Tron Legacy is my number five. It doesn't have a lot of rewatchability, but uh, really, really captivating.
1: And, you know, the original came out in 1982, and it wasn't even in 3D. When it came out, uh, really? it, it should have been. I mean, you know, it almost was. It had these weird special effects in it and everything, you know, that were like sort of groundbreaking for the time. But, but speaking of the early '80s, I want to take us back there for a minute. Um, as I mentioned, there was that revival of 3D movies that happened in the early '80s, and I'm going to get to some of them shortly. Oh boy, this list this is going to be good. But what happened was all this popularity of the 3D movies, you know, that came out in the early '80s, caused TV to take notice. And I remember the thrill I had when they announced that they were going to be showing a 3D movie on TV. And and, and it was in my small town when I grew up as a kid. I grew up in Port Elgin, Ontario, okay? So Mm -hmm. we had to go to our local store, which was called Ralph's Highway Shopette. And we'd go there and you, you would go and you would buy 3D glasses from there in order to watch the upcoming 3D movie that was coming on TV. And by the way, Yancy, I should mention, the 3D glasses back then, weren't the fancy ones that you millennials are used to. You know, the ones you guys have with the plastic frames and the silver lenses. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> These glasses were made out of paper and they had one blue lens and one red lens. And anyway, so I went down to Ralph's. I got my paper 3D glasses and I got ready to watch the 3D movie on TV. And let me tell you, that was pretty exciting when I was a kid. But the whole town was glued to our TV sets to watch this old movie from 1953 called Inferno. And from what I remember... It was about this woman, and she, like, abandons her husband out in the desert so she can, like, run away with some other guy. And mm-hmm. they expect the husband just to die, you know, out there in the heat and everything. Uh, but instead, of course, he survives. And, you know, he comes back to get revenge. And then he goes and he gets into, like, a fight with the wife's lover, and they're fighting in this old shed, and it starts on fire. And, and I remember the biggest thrill—I remember being a kid watching this, and the big thrill was one of the crossbeams on the ceiling— Falls and it looks like it comes right out of the TV and it's on fire. And overall, I think the movie was really crappy. But for a kid that loved movies the way I did and loved the novelty of 3D and came from a really, really small town like I did, this was a really big deal at the time. I remember that. So it makes my list. That's my number five. On to your four. That- I've never heard of that film before, but let me ask
0: you a question. How yes. much were those 3D goggles 3D would, glasses?
1: If, you know what? If I remember correctly, for some reason, I think they might have even been free. I think it was like sort of a, a gimmick that the local, you know, cable station that had, you know, of course, you know, three channels on it was given them out as just a promotion. You know what I mean? If I remember correctly. You know, maybe we paid for it. Maybe we didn't. I seem to think it might have been free. But anyway, it was like this big deal in the town. Everybody was we were all so excited that this 3D movie was going to be on TV. And oh, my God, it was going to be great. So, uh, like I say, looking back on it now, it's kind of crappy. But at the time, man, I was thrilled, thrilled to watch this movie.
0: Isn't it wild how some things were just so big to you whenever you're a child and then when you do revisit them, it kind of. You almost wish you hadn't because like the magic is gone i get that with a lot of stuff you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily hold up but
1: the biggest problem that um, i have when i do that for my generation is that when i think back to to shows i watched when i was a kid you know and the one that i would think of just to go off a tangent for a minute is land of the lost i used to love land of the lost we talked a bit about that in a previous episode on saturday mm -hmm. mornings that was like my saturday morning highlight was watching land of the lost and when i was an adult then they came out on dvd and i was so excited and i went and got them and i was just so pumped to watch it, to take me back in that nostalgia, it did take me back. But let me tell you, I realized those special effects were horrible. They look like it was done in someone's backyard. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, out of your number four 3D movie of all time. What do you got?
0: Uh, number four for me, um, I'm not super big into the whole comic book genre or graphic novels. It's not that I don't like them. It's just it. I don't know. I was into a lot of things as a kid, and comic books weren't one of them. I don't know why I just I never really got into them even though I was an adult I'll watch most of the major comic book films but I always kind of wait for the reviews to come out and if it's something like Dark Knight or you know Logan one of, one of these movies that has a really big budget that isn't just kind of a retread of the same stories I'll give it a chance but I'm not that diehard. Um, with that being said, though, I did want to go see Watchmen back in 2009 simply because, um, you know, I'm a I'm a big reader. You know this. I read a lot, and I'm one of my goals is I want to read uh, Time Magazine's 100 greatest novels of all time. I want to read every single one of them, and Very I've cool. I've got a, maybe 30 right now. I still have a long ways to go, but Watchmen, the graphic novel, has always been, uh, you know, even though it's you know it came out in the 80s, it's always been in that top 100. Um, so whenever this movie came out, it had. You know, all this buzz built around it had like this really crazy like cult just undertow of people just really excited to see it. And I remember this was actually the first movie I've ever seen in IMAX. I drove with some friends to Tampa so I could see it. Um, the movie itself is, is pretty good. Um, I mean, the characters in it are, are pretty interesting, like Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan. Um, but the 3D, this is one of those films where the 3D actually enhanced it. And it, it, it was the first time to me where 3D films didn't feel like a gimmick. And like I said, having it, be the first experience I ever had with IMAX, man, I was just completely blown away. There are scenes where um, Dr. Manhattan is, he's like meditating on Mars. I think I actually referenced this in an earlier episode. One of the craziest films or craziest scenes I've ever seen just because like he's building some like gigantic glass, you know, pyramid of like pieces of glass and things are floating and it's coming at you and it works so well with with the IMAX. It's just... Like I said, it was one of the most seminal moments I've ever had in, in movie experiences, and like I don't have a huge relationship with the franchise as a whole to begin with, but for it to be able to captivate me and bring me in so much with this film, and just how well all the three D was done with it, um, it was just it w- it, w- it was a really really neat experience. This is one of those films I kind of wish they would re release it, and you know maybe update the graphics just a little bit. I know that was only what seven years ago eight years ago at this point. Um, but man, it was a really, really wild experience seeing that in IMAX.
1: So that's my number four is Watchmen.
0: By the way, do you ha- do you guys have any IMAX theaters close to you up in Ontario?
1: Uh, yeah, there's one down in Toronto at um, at Ontario Place, if I remember correctly. There used to be yeah. one there. I don't know if they got rid of it. I'm pretty sure it's still there. Um, okay. So, my my number four, actually, I hate to do this, but I'm going to welch a little bit. I've got a tie at number four. So, these are two movies. Any Gen Xers out there are going to know exactly what I'm talking about with these movies. Okay. The first one is Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. And the second one, another equally wonderful title, is Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. Okay. So after she did the first season of The Facts of Life and but before she did The Breakfast Club or 16 Candles, Molly Ringwald appeared in the science fiction 3D classic Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, and yes, Yancy, yes, yes, that's the title of the movie. So the way it is in the future, there's like these three women. They get take host- they're taken hostage by like these space pirates, right? And this reward goes out to get them back. So this guy goes down to the planet to try and find them, and like he runs into this group that has the hostages. They're called Zoners because they live in the Forbidden Zone. And then there's these scavengers, who of course they call Scavs. I don't think the producers were the most creative people, Yancey. They probably blew all the budget on 3D effects. They couldn't afford to hire writers. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, so one of the scabs was Molly Ringwald. And then she goes along to try and help this guy. And then there's Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. And of course, Michael Ironside was the bad guy, Overdog. The thing I remember probably the most about the movie was there was this big train-ship like combo that was like on these train tracks. And it had these huge sails on it. And that's where Overdog lived. It all sounds crazy. It totally was, but that's the 80s for you. So the Thai movie for me then on this one was Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin. It was one of the most super trippy movies I've ever seen in my life. It was all about these crystals and green liquid and nomads and the leader of the nomads was richard mole and he actually shaved his head for the part and you got to remember back in the 80s not a lot of people shaved their head it's not as common as it you know became you know 20 years later so richard mole with his head shaved it, it gave him sort of a different look and it helped him land the part of bull shannon on night court but anyway those two movies were really bizarre super trippy and let me tell you watching them in 3d back in the 80s oh it was awesome so that's my tie at number four Man,
0: theme. you're re- you're really giving me some obscure stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but I'm telling
1: you, though, you think it's obscure? Gen Xers that listen to this podcast right now are saying, oh, yes, Chris, I remember both those movies. Absolutely. Saw so them really? in the theater. Yep, I can tell you right now.
0: Okay. All right. So number, what are we on? Number three? Number, number three. three for me yeah. is uh, appropriately Toy Story 3, which also came out in 2010. Um, true story, whenever this movie came out, I was living in Gainesville with my best friend. And I got really, really upset because he and his girlfriend went to see this in theaters without me. Like, I was livid, you know what I mean? Like, so, so mad. So, I ended up going by myself in the middle of the day, um, and it was basically like an empty movie theater, you know, because this is a college town. There's not a whole bunch of people who are, you know, going to go see Toy Story in the middle of the day when they're in class and stuff. But I remember watching this in 3D, and... I felt completely immersed in this. It it looked and felt and moved so real as a 3d movie that I felt like I was a toy myself. Um, the 3D in itself was perfect, but also the movie in itself is perfect. I mean, it has almost a nine out of ten on IMDb. I mean, if you look at every single score that it has, it's this is one of the the, the best movies of the last twenty years, which is really kind of crazy to think about, like an animated movie being rated so highly. But I mean, this one too, two Oscars. It won total fifty eight awards and eighty nine nominations. Um, they, they they won all kinds of production awards for for 3D effects and and you know CGI rendering and everything. It was a it was underrated just because so many people focused on the characters and the script and, you know, it it is a fantastic movie in that sense. But, man, in 3D, it was truly, truly an incredible movie. And I, I didn't expect to put this on my list and especially having it be number three. But Toy Story was or Toy Story 3 was just so so amazing in 3D this was one of the first movies too where I watched in 3D where it didn't actually make me sick and it wasn't like an obtrusive gimmicky kind of thing it was just so seamless within the movie itself that it really kind of like took the 3D level to it like to the absolute extreme so Toy Story 3 is like I said I know it's a really weird pick I know you've seen it you have kids you probably own it Chris but Really, really a fantastic movie. Probably, probably Pixar's best movie, in my opinion.
1: I, I agree with you. And actually, it's the thing is, that movie is, you know, I don't even think of it, you know, in terms of the 3D, because I've only watched, watched it on DVD. I didn't watch it in theater. Um, uh, but I'll tell you what, like, when you look at that movie, the script was just so good. I'm like, who wrote this script? It's phenomenal. It's got something for everybody. There's action in it. There's suspense in it. There's these great scenes in it. And at the end... You cry like it's like, whoa, it's like really good. We need to do um, uh, a show sometime on chick flicks that we like. And we also need to do one on movies that will make grown men cry. This will probably be number one. Um, But anyway, okay. so my number three, Um, when you think about 3D, what better genre of film to shoot in 3D other than a comedy, right? (laughs) So (laughs) better (laughs) yet, better yet. How about if you do a comedy that features a Russian espionage plot to steal an invisibility potion? Yes, Yancey, someone not only pitched this idea to a studio, but a studio actually said yes and greenlit this project and threw money at it. And thank God they did, too, because it gave the world the Steve Gutenberg gem, the man who wasn't there. So, believe it or not, Yancey, there was a time when Steve Gutenberg was one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. I know it's hard to believe, but Police Academy, Cocoon, this guy was really on his game for a while there. And then he also did this 3D movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. And for those of you out there, again, just like the last one, any Gen Xers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I won't get into too many details, but let me just say this. For a young guy in the 80s, watching a movie like this, it was something else. Because not only was it in 3D, there were nude scenes in it. And, oh, Yancey, let me tell you, <laughs> the, the, the 80s were a time when this sort of thing happened in movies all the time. Like, now studios are all worried about, you know, staying PG so they can get more people in the theater, right? Make more money, more money. But back in the 80s, there was, like, comedy after comedy that had these type of scenes in them. And the fact that this one was in 3D, well, I couldn't exactly exclude it from my list. So, that's my number <laughs> three. So, you're number two. What do you got?
0: You know, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes your all of your selections are so obscure that I wonder if, like, there's a, a show in the future where you're basically trolling me the entire time and you're just making stuff up, seeing if I'm going to catch on. That's this show. Literally every single thing that you've mentioned this show, I am completely oblivious to. Which is What I
1: want you to do is go after the show, re-listen to the show, and go back and go into IMDb and type in The Man Who Wasn't There. Type in, um, you know, anything. Go and take a look at uh, on, on YouTube. You might even be able to get some of those things. Mm-hmm. Sometime. Okay. I would I wouldn't punky. Why would make you think I would want to punk you on this kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, true. I was actually going to make a joke about Gutenberg also inventing the printing press, but I couldn't figure out a way to make it work. But he was anyways.
1: on uh he went on to uh uh dancing with the stars, didn't he? <laughs> Chris, you were asking the wrong person. Dude. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But anyway. <laughs> But I'm telling okay. you, that the man who wasn't there, you got to go check it out. Because I remember the thing was, it was Lisa Langlois was, was the actress that was in it, because she was from North Bay, Ontario, which is about three hours north of Barrie, where I live right now. And she was the one. She was kind of breaking into Hollywood at the time. And I think they kind of duped her when they did this movie, because they got her in and said, hey, you're going to do this comedy. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of breaking into Hollywood. This is pretty cool. Oh, and by the way, we didn't tell you there's nude scenes in it. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so. But anyway, so check it out. Man Who Wasn't There. It did exist. I'm not, I'm not trolling you.
0: Okay, um, you remember earlier in the show whenever I talked about how I have crippling vertigo and motion sickness? Yes. This next film literally, uh, it it inflamed that to a level I've never experienced in my life, but it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, it's a 2013 film. I know you can guess it almost immediately. It's a science fiction film and it won seven Academy Awards in that year. Do you know what the movie is? In
1: 2013? Correct. Uh, 3D movie. What came out in 2013? Thirteen. Um, no, I'm no no.
0: It I'm, was Gravity. Oh, Gravity. Andrew Bullock oh, and George
1: Clooney. See yep. again, I didn't see it in the theater, so I didn't see it in three D. So it throws me. Those okay, are movies, was a good movie though.
0: I really liked it. Yeah, it was it. This is one of those movies where uh, depending on who you talk to, if you're a fan of the genre, if you like scientifically accurate films, if you just are obsessed with you know the space program in general, like I am, I mean, there was almost nothing this movie could do wrong in in your eyes but I, I would also talk to other people who they were so turned off by this movie. They thought it was so boring. I heard of people like walking out like halfway through this film, which I just didn't get because this, this was like right up there with interstellar with me as far as being completely captivated. And like I said, with this particular type of film, I think the, the nausea, nausea, the nausea, I'm saying it weird. The nausea that I felt and experienced like while watching
1: this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry. Sorry,
1: mate. Um, <laughs> What's um, this all about?
0: <laughs> but, uh, the way i felt physically i felt was an accurate representation of how an ac- actual astronaut would feel as they're whipping around in space um you know you've seen the movie chris if, if yeah, anybody it was has great. it was great you know basically it is an absolute storm as far as everything that could go wrong does go wrong this woman goes through a lot i mean there's there's explosions there well not pure explosions because there's no fire in in space but you know what i mean she's whipped all over space there's pieces and particles flying everywhere it's complete chaos and that's what you get whenever you have it in three d. I mean, you know, her hurling through space and stuff, like you literally like there were moments where I had to take my glasses off, Chris, because it was it felt so, so real and so incredibly immersive. Um, it was just, I mean, it's a two hour film. I think it's a little over two hours. and it's nonstop action the entire time. nonstop. Um, one of the most beautifully shot films, like I said, one of the most scientifically accurate films. There were a couple places where they did make mistakes, but I mean, they they literally hired you know consultants from NASA to help make this as genuine of an experience as far as you know space goes as they possibly could, um, and it really bore out in in the gravity feature. Like I said, I I like it as a standalone without the 3D, but seeing seeing it in theaters kind of just took it to a whole new level. It was a wild experience. Like I said, not for everybody. But uh, really kind of like it had the spirit of 3D like the entire way for me. So that's why it's
1: my number two is Gravity. Oh, I like that one. Okay. So my number two, Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. So I know they're up to like, I don't know, 20 or something now in this Friday the 13th series. But I tell you, back in the early 80s, this is like the quote unquote franchise. It was just getting started, right? So if you go mm-hmm. back, if you go back and watch the original which was actually a really, really good movie. Um, And you get to see a really young Kevin Bacon, who's only four degrees from me, by the way. Um, So the original was really, really good. And um, it had this really amazing final scene sort of that left things kind of open. So obviously they took it and ran with it. They made sequels. But um, I think all these years later, of all these sequel after sequel and these reimaginings and all that crap, but I think if you go back to 1983, the best of the series just might be the third one that was in 3D. And I think for for that short period of time, like I was saying in the early 80s, when 3D movies kind of made a comeback, this was probably one of the best ones of the time. And it had some of the best sort of jump off the screen and come right into your face stuff in it. It was scary. It was an all-around good time. So I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Uh, So that makes my number two. Friday the 13th, part three in 3D. On to your number one. Very interesting.
0: Okay, my number one is... I'm not sure if it still is, but for a good while here, it's been the number one grossing film of all time, and that's Avatar. I don't know if you know offhand. Is it still number one, Chris? I, I don't know. It Maybe
1: is. we'll get to that in trivia. How about that?
0: Yeah. Okay. So Avatar is awesome, and this is another film I've mentioned in the past. I took my dad to see this. My dad is colorblind, and the last movie he had seen in theaters was uh, The Lion King back in 1994. So as you can imagine, a lot changed during that you know, <laughs> no that kidding. time period. And, uh, you know, for somebody like my dad, you know, who doesn't have impeccable vision and, like I said, is colorblind, he was so enthralled with this movie. He was just like – every time I look over at him, he would look over at me and he's just like, like, holy cow, like what am I looking at? I mean it's uh, – there's one particular scene I think that it the, – the camera that it cost to shoot this film cost over $100 million and James Cameron co-developed it. With another inventor, um, just for this film. Obviously, they use it, you know, in different films and stuff now. But it was created for the sole purpose of shooting a handful of these films. Um, there's a night scene where they're going through a, a jungle or some sort of forest, and all of the plants and animals kind of have this this glowing illuminescence to them. You know, they glow, and there's these bright, really vibrant neon colors. And it's, it's just one of the wildest things you've ever seen. I've never seen it in a movie before. And I don't think anybody has really kind of nailed it since then. It's just the trippiest experience. And, you know, there, there, there are moments when they're flying on, you know, kind of like lizard dragon creatures. And to see that in 3D is just absolutely wild. There's so many different scenes, like really subtle things. Uh, whenever they do, like, you know, the the vast, like, expanse, whenever it shows, like, a, a whole landscape. And just to see the detail that's put into it with this 3D film, it's it's absolutely stunning. It was written and directed by James Cameron. Uh, their, their talks, um, apparently they're filming the second one to it now, which, to be honest with you, considering what a huge success it was in the box office the first time, I'm surprised that it's taken them, you know, over six years to begin filming the second. But, um, I mean, obviously a lot of technical prowess has to go into this. And supposedly they're trying to even, you know, Further make, I mean, to make this even more of a visually captivating film. But Avatar, uh, Chris, did you happen to see this in in theaters at all, or did you wait till it came out on? No, 3D? I did
1: see it in theater, but unfortunately, the theater theater that I went to see it in it was not in three D.
0: Okay, yeah. So I, I saw this in, in IMAX 3D, and uh, I mean, it cost me like $18 or something for one movie ticket, but this was an experience. This was this was one of the few films that I actually went to the theater and watched it again and paid for the IMAX again. So I, I literally had you know over $50 invested in this movie before it ever came out on DVD or Blu-ray, and it's just a, a really, really beautiful film. From a script standpoint, yes, it basically is a Pocahontas retread, but visually, I mean, it's something I'll, I'll never forget having seen it in movies before. It was absolutely wild. So that's my number one
1: is Avatar. And you know, really, if you want to look back on sort of the, the sort of the rebirth of the 3D movie you know I think you can kind of tie it to James Cameron when he came up with Titanic Ghost of the Abyss in 2003 mm-hmm. remember that IMAX 3D movie he did kind of started to get interest in this again you know quit a, a guy okay so your number one movie and my number one movie are quite Far apart in terms of quality, we'll just say. That's too bad. (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. So as you know, I've mentioned numerous times on this podcast that Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time. And we'll get into it more in a future episode. I I promise we'll do that. But, you know, I just I love that movie. Right. And then Mm -hmm. in 1978, they came out with Jaws 2. And, you know, as much as sequels usually suck, Jaws 2 is actually a bit of a personal favorite of mine. You know, I, I just love it. But then anyway, then in 1983, in the middle of the old 3D craze we've been talking about. And um, and, and, and the thing is, too, I, I should mention, like, as I mentioned kind of a little bit before I kind of touched on the big craze in the early 80s about the 3D movies was just like, like, like the big thing was that they always made sort of the third movie as a 3D movie. It was just like a further gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, it was like Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. There was Amityville Horror 3 in 3D. And then, of course, my number one personal favorite of all time, Jaws 3D. So what it was, it was actually Jaws 3 in 3D. And it was with uh, Dennis Quaid, Leia Thompson. Louis Gossett Jr. was in it. Bess Armstrong, too. Whatever happened to Bess Armstrong? Anyway, I, I I really liked her. That's another future show think. Anyway, um, so in Jaws 3D... So. And this time around in the Jaws story, Brody's sons are all grown up and they move down to Florida and they work at SeaWorld. And a shark gets into the park and starts attacking people. So they capture it. Oh, but of course, it turns out that, you know, that shark is nothing because its mother comes looking for it. And the mother is like this huge shark and she starts wreaking havoc on the park. And then they they actually, at the very end, they, they blow her up. And then her, quote unquote, her Jaws are just floating in the water and they come right off the screen (laughs) at the audience. That's like one of the final scenes in the movie, the Jaws are floating. Oh man, I, I love campy stuff, you know that? It doesn't get much campier than Jaws 3D. Um, I remember the big knock too when it, when, when it came out a big knock a lot of people had on it was they said well there's no way they can make the whole shark come right off the screen you know because that's what audiences wanted at the time was that you know come off the screen moment and and obviously they, they didn't you know, they couldn't make the shark come off the screen but I mean who needs the whole shark to come off the screen when you've got the Jaws coming off the screen. Oh, man, I just love that. <laughs> just the stuff. Jaws. Just the Jaws. Come on. Oh, it's so good, man. I love that stuff. Anyway, so that's my number one. Big, big departure from yours. But anyway, do you want to uh, now have some fun with Yancey? Yep, let's do it. Okay, so I got some easy questions for you this week. They're right in your wheelhouse. I'm going to start you with a super easy one. Yancey, we touch base on this a bit in the show tonight. Can you name the highest grossing 3D movie of all time? I'm going to say Avatar. Actually, it's not Avatar. There was a, there's a movie that's come out since Avatar that has passed it at the box office, and it was also in 3D. In 3D? Yeah. Oh, man, this
0: is going to be really bad. Star Wars The
1: Force Awakens.
0: Oh, come on. If you want to give me five seconds. <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry. And, but the thing is, here's, here's the thing that I've got, young man, with your generation. The cost of 3D tickets is higher. Right? If you went to see Star Wars The Force Awakens and if somebody else went to see Star Wars The Force Awakens in 3D, they pay more money, right? Right. So, Correct. you know, it, it, for me, it, it kind of screws with the box office. I mean, I know everybody wants to be the biggest and the best, but I think if you just kind of adjusted everything sort of for inflation, or if you just looked at number of tickets sold, I, that's, there's, there's a question for you. Answer, there's a trivia question. If you just went by the number of tickets sold only, Okay, mm-hmm. any idea what the number one movie of all time is? And I'll tell you uh. what—it ain't Avatar, and it sure ain't Star Wars: The Force Awakens, because this movie sold twice as many tickets.
0: Well, was it Empire? Nope. No, not even close. I don't know. You got to go way
1: back. It's Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind Are you still serious? sold more tickets than any other. Almost twice as many tickets as Star <laughs> Wars: The Force Awakens. Believe it or not. Uh, okay, so uh, here's one for you. Okay, this is a 2005 3D movie. Okay? Okay. This one's right in your wheelhouse, right? Uh, so, this movie featured Kristen Davis, David Arquette, and George Lopez as the adults, and a very young Taylor Lautner as one of the kids. The movie was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it totally bombed at the box office. Can you oh. name the movie? Was this arachnophobia? No, it wasn't. Robert Rodriguez made this movie based on an idea that his kids had turn it into a mm-hmm. movie then no i have no idea <laughs> dude it's the adventures of shark boy and lava girl
0: yeah that's that's not a that's not right in my wheelhouse <laughs>
1: <Chris>. <laughs> okay so here's one for you this 2010 comedy horror okay was a remake of a 1978 classic which is a personal favorite of mine, by the way, the, the 1978 classic, of course, which in itself, by the way, was a spoof of Jaws. So, Yancey, can you name the 2010 movie that featured lots of boobs and blood in eye-popping 3D that was a remake of a 1978 movie? Is it Piranha? It is, yes! all right. Okay, so, so playing on that one more question based on Piranha, speaking of Piranha, what severed body part floated magically in 3D right off the screen and into people's faces in Piranha 3D? Yancey, can you name it?
0: I cannot, but I'm just going to guess eyeball.
1: No, no, Yancey, I'm sorry. That's not right. It was actually a disembodied floating penis. Oh, my, my, my. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Is this real? Uh, absolutely. I wouldn't make this up. <laughs> I wouldn't make it up. I wouldn't make it. George Takei doesn't let me make this stuff up. He loves it. So there you go. (laughs) go again. You think I'm just punking you this whole show, but I tell you what, go back and fact check me on this. I'm
0: looking it up right now. Please
1: do look it up. You're going to see. I'm telling you right now. Before that, you actually look it up and like freak out on this show. I should probably sign off. But uh, anyway, so uh, Yancey, that's it for this week. We're going to be back next week. We've got another great show coming at you next week. So on behalf of Yancey, and this is Chris McBride's Thing. thanks for listening to pop goes your world the pop culture podcast for the generations thank you for listening to the pop goes your world podcast continue the conversation on twitter at C cmcbryan or at yancey eaton please consider leaving a review for the podcast on itunes or wherever you download and listen to the show